Welcome home, where homeownership matters for all. A production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors, a voice for real property rights. Welcome to OCHAR's December episode of the 2022 Talk About podcast series. This is Marsha Vaughn, your host, and for those who don't know him, I'm excited to introduce you today to a gentleman who many realtors think of as the guru of data, Mr. Tony Jarrett. Tony is Alan Tate's Regional Vice President for the Triangle, Triad, and High Country regions of North Carolina. Tony, you're a busy guy, so many thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, I always love being with you, Marsha. Thank you. <laughs> right back at you, Tony. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this, uh, what I keep trying to uh, call a sexy topic, but I'm not sure we can make it that, but it's all important to to all of us. Let's start with this. Can you give us a brief overview of why data is so important to our business practices in this current market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Data is critical. It's a critical piece for uh, our client communications. You know, it really helps set two things in my mind. One is setting expectations for our clients. And the second is for the realtors building trust and confidence, the trusted advisor. You know, it's a pretty safe formula when you think of what the clients need. A, A buyer wants to know. You know, what's the best deal they can get and how much money is it going to cost them? And sellers want to know they are receiving the best price on the market and in the fastest, shortest time possible. And these formulas sound so simple when you think of data. However, this market is changing, shifting, and it's doing it quickly. We just came out of what I'd say an unprecedented time for the last two years of 2020 and 2021. In fact, I would say It's never happened before, and I don't know that it's ever going to happen again. So we need to get really good at at comparing data again, because that kind of got thrown out the window in 2021. And so now what we're doing is trying to coach our team to get thinking about comparing back to 2018 and 2019, which were really good, healthy real estate markets. Tony, can I just interrupt you for a minute? So the reason that went away for a while was because the market was so unusual and growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, I mean, when you, as a realtor, listed a piece of property and had 20 showings lined up in the first hour and 10 offers, all for list price, that's the market data became uh, irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. We stopped talking about stats simply because I didn't need to. Then it was all about negotiation and due diligence and earnest money and best deals. And, and so it's almost like 2019 seems like a lifetime ago. But 2019 is when we used to talk about data with clients and setting expectations. And suddenly in this last quarter, I see a lot of these conversations happen. I'll give you a quick example. Let's say that you are a listing agent in September and you sold the property and you go into that same neighborhood in November this last month. And the seller goes, I want what my neighbor got. Well, that was last quarter. And suddenly that doesn't exist. And we're having to get back to some of those conversations because you can't time the market. You can't time when to sell and buy. You you need to sell and buy when you need to sell and buy. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened, I think, is the realtors are starting to have these different conversations that they haven't had in two years. And even though two years seems like yesterday, it's that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Those sellers who are looking at their neighbor's success and thinking, I want to sell and get that great, fantastic price, right. a lot of those people then are deciding, oh, I'm not going to do that after all right now. Some of them are. Some of them is a resetting of a 
a theory that, oh, I missed it, so maybe I shouldn't sell. But if you've got to sell, sell. And mm-hmm. the good news is there's still price appreciation. So there's still a good time to sell. And it's a good mm-hmm. buy. I think, you know, when you start thinking of these data conversations, you have to be very effective. And I'm going to stress that word, effective communicator. Have you ever seen the movie Philadelphia? Yes. They had Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. Yeah. Well, Denzel, been a long time. Been a long time. I remember I thought it was amazing. Well, one thing that came out of that movie that always resonated with me is Denzel Washington played the role of an attorney. And every time he'd have a conversation with a client, he'd say, explain it to me like I'm in third grade. And I always loved that because it means simplify the message so that I understand and can comprehend what you're doing. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of people that just do not comprehend data. And they're not data junkies. And when you start overloading people with numbers, uh, you're going to lose me. So explain it to me like I'm in third grade. Do you find that I'm thinking about clients I've had that I've put the data in front of them and I'm trying to go over it with them. I can't even get them to look at the the piece of paper. Depends on who you're, you know, your audience to that. You know, the engineer will, will, yeah, he'll love it. Yeah. But the person who's an artist it's going to look like, are you talking Greek to me? Yeah. <laughs> so know your audience. <laughs> but give me lots of money. <laughs> yeah, but give me lots of money. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, just tell me what I'm going to get. Yeah, yeah. What are the major sources of data we should be paying attention to? Well, the triangle region, I would say there's really two major ones. One's the triangle MLS, and the other is TAR reports. Um, both of these are really good uh, amounts of resources and a lot of detail. Regardless of what you use, uh, if you use one or both of those, just make sure you're watching the sub-markets. And what I mean by that is specific neighborhoods, specific price ranges. Really dig in because I always have said there are a lot of Bermuda Triangles in our markets. And Bermuda Triangle meaning you go in there, it makes no sense. It's always going to be a high premium. It's always going to cost a lot to get in there. It's always going to be limited because it's that Bermuda Triangle. And those are a little different. But when you look into Triangle MLS specifically, uh, there's a great tool called InfoSparks, and InfoSparks is one that is a really good way of generalizing some of these things, but you can also get to those sub-markets. You can get down to the price range of the neighborhood. I'm always fascinated that I see a lot of agents don't know that's in Triad, triad and Triangle MLS. Mm-hmm. I, I love InfoSparks, but I will say it is a little intimidating mm. if you don't use it all the time. Yeah, right, right. Um, so what, what do you say to those of us who think... Well, we're gonna, we know we need to go in there and dig deep, but... Don't dig too deep. Go to specifically what you're looking for. Okay. So if it's a certain stat, just go in for one stat and then and play with it, put in your criteria, and then suddenly you're going to get it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute as far as how do you decipher. But there's one other one I would encourage you to think about, especially in this shifting market, is a, is a, is a stat called Case-Shiller. Case-Shiller is the top 20 metro markets in the United States, and I follow them religiously. Is that S-C-H? That's, that's case C A S C A S E dash Schiller S H I L L E R. Okay. And case Schiller gives the top twenty metro markets of price appreciation, and a couple of those, triangle being one of them, is in that index. I think one of the hottest topics is price appreciation, and so it's always good to know where that needle's moving. Mm-hmm. Now that is a if I talk about micro, macro, that's a macro. That's a big global thing that you've got to take down to the sub-market, if you will, the micro. But it's good to know that trend. And I think, you know, the thing to take away from all of what we just talked about is when you get into those sub-markets, it's having different conversations with different prices. For example, 
I've always found in my career that there were three discussions. One was the sub 300,000. If you're below 300, that was a specific conversation with a buyer or seller. Then you got the mid-tier, the 400, the 750 usually. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, what I call the luxury conversation, which was 750 up, a million up, and that, that varies depending on your market. But traditionally, that was always three conversations. That went out the window this last two years. Mm-hmm. Every market, every sub-market was the same according to demand and price gain. Well, the guess what? The same in terms of appreciation. Oh, yeah. If you run the stats, I mean, you would see price appreciation strong in all three. You'd see limited supply in all three. Yeah. You'd see yeah. list price to close price, same in all three, exceeding 100%. You know, it was just mm-hmm. something. All of a sudden, the conversation was the same in all three sub-markets. Mm-hmm. It was, and that had not been the case Never before. seen that before. But now, guess what's happening? It's starting to shift back. And I, my word is normalized. We're starting to normalize, and it's starting to go back mm-hmm. that you better know those sub-markets and those price, price, mm-hmm. uh, price ranges. So those conversations are different. So up up to three hundred. Up to three hundred. Three hundred to seven fifty ish, and then uh, you know everybody has a different opinion about luxury depending on where you're at. Uh-huh. But a million and up has a different kind of conversation, or maybe it's seven fifty and up depending on some depending of the market. Where you are. Depending on your work, some people may say it's five hundred and up. Mm-hmm. But uh, a luxury client has a different concept than a first time home buyer. Mm-hmm. You know, those are two different conversations. Mm-hmm. I heard someone the other day said, uh, it's just a simple word. He said, do not use the word comp when you're pricing out a million-dollar property. He said, use the word relevant property. I love that because it's it's a key word of difference of how to know your market. And, and somebody in luxury million, no, there's no comparable. No, no house matches what my house is. But a relevant property that I would use for appraisal, that makes mm-hmm. more sense to me. Yeah. So words yeah. do matter in these things. Which sources should we ignore and why? And I'm asking that because as realtors, we get sent so much information. We have so many people knocking at our door trying to tell us that they're the expert at this. And then we have our client base, many of whom are sending us articles from the New York Times or the Washington Post or or the Wall Street Journal telling us, oh, but this says da-da-da-da, and you're telling me something different. Well, you're hitting a nerve right now because the media is not our friend right now these last few months. Yeah. And another, what, what are they doing? How can you sum that up? Well, it's, it's all noise. And the media sells to negative. People like to read, and they, they attract by negative. So, Amen to that. <laughs> so we have to change that uh, narrative. You know, I don't know that there's what I would ignore, but I think you hit a nerve, and that is maybe reduce and simplify. You're going to hear me say this word a lot, simplify. Just focus on two or three sources that you like and use and trust that are credible sources and just stay with that. And should we always cross-reference between those sources? Depends on your source. If it's the Triangle MLS, I would think I don't need to cross-reference. Uh-huh. If it's Case Schiller, I don't need to cross-reference. If it's... TAR. Yeah, TAR. TAR reports. I mean, okay. I feel pretty confident about those. Okay. And it's always the local. Now, the national and stuff, it just depends. I mean, it depends on what you're looking at. I think Wall Street Journal is a pretty... Credible source. However, it may have nothing to do with what's going on here in the triangle based on that article. Right. So I get more into the data on the credible sources and just simplify and just try, I don't want to say ignore, but just try to block some of that noise. Okay. On another note, I just, I have started unsubscribing to a lot of those things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know about your email inbox. I wake up some days and I've got 50 emails yeah, and a lot of it's yeah. that noise you're talking about. Uh-huh. I have been very intentional of unsubscribing, unsubscribing. to simplify. Yep, yep. I, I go through phases, but I have definitely found that useful. <laughs> okay, so how do we wrap our heads around all of this available data 
analyze it and then prioritize the the most important numbers and trends. And I think you're going to use the word simplify again, which I absolutely love because that immediately, as a realtor, puts my brain into a headspace that feels manageable. Well, wrapping our heads around all this data is where the magic happens. So my strategy has always been two concepts. The first concept is collecting the data is what I'd call the science. So you, you, we've talked about where to go, how to get it, and that's the science of it. But the magic is the art of presenting it. So when you start thinking about all this, think of the science, think of the art. And that's the left brain, right brain thing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Which some of us don't. <laughs> Do not possess both of those things. But Well, it's, it's the effective <laughs> communication. I will tell you one of the best resources I've, I've seen about the art is a group called Keeping Current Matters. Uh, it is a monthly paid subscription. Uh, I know a lot of agents do it, but the thing that they, they do a lot of blogs, they do presentation slides, they do webinars from time to time. It's keepingcurrentmanners.com. And the thing I love about them is they every month they come out with messages. These are the key. Should I buy a house right now? What does it mean about these mortgage rates? Price appreciation is starting to shift, but the media says it's panicking. No, it's not. Here's what's really happening. So sometimes collecting that, people just, you know, I've seen people that can give me all kinds of stats, but they don't know know how to talk me through the stats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And keeping current matters for the realtors out there could be a good a guidepost. Now, obviously, in your offices, your leadership, people in your offices that you trust and like, you know, some of those folks could uh, help you as well. But I think that would be a good roadmap for somebody looking who's out there by themselves that needs help. Okay, good tip. Mm-hmm. When I've got a client in front of me, one of those people that doesn't want to look at the piece of paper or, or the, you know, the email I've sent them with all of the data, which is simply presented for them, how do I communicate the data to them in an effective way? Well, again, my, here are my words again, simplify. So what, what I started doing about a decade ago with the team here is I do a top five stats for the team. And another leader and I came up with that at a convention, believe it or not, when we presented. And we thought, what are the top five stats that every buyer and every seller need? You know, it's kind of like going back in the days, you remember David Letterman's top 10. You know, yeah. People like <laughs> lists. They like top three, top five, yeah, top 10. Yeah, but they wouldn't want a top 10 data. No, list. you don't need top 10 on data, but top five. And so, you know, and as you go through that top five, it really helps clarify and simplifies for the client. And one of the terms I've been using this last year is we need to clarify versus terrify uh, because a lot of the media is terrifying. And, and the top five, I think, will help you. Do you want to walk through those top five? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and they're not ranked. So these are the top five I would use. One is days on the market. And to me, days on the market is simply that. It's the speed of which the market is moving. You know, how long is it going to take to buy a house or sell a house? And for a buyer, it's not necessarily how, you know, how fast it's going to take me to buy. It's when do I need to move quickly to get my offer in, my terms in. For a seller, now they always want to know how long is this thing going to take me. And, you know, this last year or two years, we've been under a week, and now it's starting to shift back to three weeks. Now, normal, healthy, is more like a 30 to 45 day, even 60 days in some markets. So that is setting expectations on the speed of the market. The second one is MSI, which stands for Monthly Supply of Inventory. And that means if we never placed another house on the market, when would we run out of inventory? And this has been a critical piece of all our markets. There's been a concern of inventory. And I've seen a number of agents posting on their social media, 
today there's only three homes available for sale, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it's important to know that term for our clients because for buyers, it's all about negotiation. And when you have a low, low MSI, that means a high seller market. I mean, the seller owns that market. And the sellers have owned this market for the last two years. For a seller, as that market shifts, which it is happening right now, it's starting to get bigger. So we've gone from less than a month supply getting up to two, probably getting up to three. We would consider four months getting back to health. For a seller, it simply means the competition. How many houses am I competing against? When sellers had no other houses for sale around them, they commanded the terms. Now that's changing. Yeah. Can you do a sidebar here for a second sure. and talk about sure. that? Um, I have a client who is considering selling big house and she wants to go for it. She wants to get that price that somebody two blocks away got a few months ago. I'm telling her, no, I think we need to price it for less than that. But she has zero competition right now. So how do we as realtors adjust our pricing when that's the case? Well, one of the lessons we learned out of this last couple markets is no matter how good the pricing gets, you want people fighting over your house. And if you price the house so much and no showings, uh-huh. and that's going to go to my next stat, actually, is okay. number three is the number of showings. Okay. So if you price a house, now let's go back a year. You could say, hey, let's just gamble and let's price it at this. Let's just see what happens. I had agents going, I didn't dream it would happen, and it happened. Yeah. Well, now they're saying, oh, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. And now I'm not getting any showings. And for the first seven days, 14 days, et cetera, we need to clearly set those expectations with our sellers and start talking about what happens if. What happens if I don't get a showing? What happens if I don't get an offer? Where Get those reductions in writing. Because the number three stat, the number of showings, I will tell you, I had my top five. I went to top four the last two years. We stopped talking about showings. I didn't need to talk about it because I had 20 showings in the first hour. Mm-hmm. Well, that's changing. So to me, the number of showings is really critical because it sets that expectation over the seller. Because if you don't get the number of showings, you're overpriced. Now, remember we talked about InfoSparks. InfoSparks has in Triangle MLS a stat in there of the number of showings depending. And I would encourage all the listeners today to start looking at that stat in InfoSparks. Because if you put in your price range of where you're at, it will give you the number. And let's just say that number is 10. That means it would take me effectively 10 showings before I effectively get a contract. Okay. And I think that number is going up, up, up in this Mm -hmm. market. And so Mm -hmm. it's taking more and more time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a critical discussion. Yeah, that's interesting. So number of showings, but also check number of showings to pending. That's right. And to me, that's the expectation barometer, if you will. That's a critical one. The number four stat is list price to close price. Now, that's the margin in which a buyer would make an offer. That's the margin in which a seller would accept an offer. If I went back to my career, I was trained that 3 to 4% was was an expectation that would meet most of those sub-markets I talked about, most of the price ranges. So if I sold a house for 100, I'm sorry, listed a house for 100, I should get 97. Mm -hmm. If you go up the price ladder, that price ratio changed. It used to be in a million dollars, I could tell you 8 to 10% was probably going to be the number. Well, what's happened in the last two years is the list price to close price across every price point hit 100% and then it exceeded. In fact, Triangle this last quarter was the highest I'd seen it went to 104%. I, you know, I'm going to sound like my grandfather walking two miles in the snow to the school. 
but I've never seen that before, <laughs> you know? And so when you talk about 104, 105%, that's the average. Well, we saw stuff going average. Yeah, we saw stuff going over that. Well, it's coming back down. And that was just, did you say a quarter ago? Yeah, but well, I say a quarter. It's probably two quarters. It was in the summer. Okay. And it's starting to shift. Now, that's a lag. And when you talk about lead measures and lag measures, that's okay. a lag measure. That's how, that's looking at what happened before. Okay. And we're going to start seeing that shift. Mm-hmm. So I think our, our listeners out there really need to look at these ratios and start having different conversations. You know, back in the day, our buyers would make these ridiculous offers, and we'd start pulling that stat out. Now, mm-hmm. we get mm-hmm. 2 or 3%. You're offering 20% off? And let's, well, let's walk through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We stopped having those conversations. Yeah, you know, um, I think it would be really worthwhile for realtors to turn to their clients and use those words. We are about to have a different conversation than I would be having with you or that I had with you six months ago. That's right. Well, to that point. You thought about email, and I've always thought it would be effective today to email three or four stats to a consumer before you go meet them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. say, look at these numbers. I want to talk to you. What a great idea. And talk about stats before you talk about buying the house or selling the house. You know, talk about the market and talk about the shift that keeps happening. And that leads to the last stat, which is number five, which is house appreciation. Uh, This is probably the hottest topic. You know, typically in a healthy market, we would see 2% to 5% price appreciation on an annual basis. And that was for years and years and years. But in the last 15 years, we've seen some dramatic swings. You know, the 2000 end of eight going into 09, the market collapse. We saw that many price reductions were happening and it was a 35% negative. So it was a depreciation, which we don't use much. Those were the worst months of my career, quite frankly. It was, oh, I awful. Bet. It was awful. You and, and, and many others. And listening. many others. That's right. And we saw a third of our, our properties out there in distress. We were coaching sellers, talking about expectations that we're having in stats. One of the stats we used then was how much money do you need to bring to the closing table to even get the closing? Because mm-hmm. a lot of sellers were upside down. Mm-hmm. Well, you go from that swing to you go to where we're at this last two years where we saw 20 to 25% of price appreciation here in the Triangle region. That's unheard of. Never have we seen double digit. And then it flooded all over the country. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing now is we're going from a... Sorry, sorry you're talking ahead. about annual appreciation. Annual appreciation. Yeah. So the, go back to the number. If we're... Annual appreciation on a healthy market is anywhere from 3 to 5%. And, and now yeah. you're going 20 to 25%. <laughs> yeah. And the pandemic drove that. I mean, I live anywhere. People were buying everywhere. People, well, I mean, demand went out of the roof. Uh-huh. Um, you know, one of my analogies is how much money are you earning in, the, in your savings account right now versus how much are you earning in your real estate? Now, that makes me a little nervous on the other side because the 09 lesson was is a lot of people thought, well, don't put your money in real estate because you're going to lose it one day. Right, right. So, we're, you know, today. The, yeah, but the, the, the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Uh, exactly. Oh, my gosh, it's painful. Yeah. Now, a lot of people who bought in 2018, 2019 are feeling pretty good about their investment. Exactly. But. Those are my happiest clients. Exactly. How about that? <laughs> so we're, we're looking at single-digit appreciation now, and it's shifted really quickly. And so the numbers I'm seeing are somewhere around 8 10%, and I think we're going to start getting back to what we consider healthy. Now, notice what I did not. Sorry. Yet. It's at 8 to 10% now? Yeah. It's, it's and now, again, remember the sub-markets. It depends mm-hmm. on the price range, depends okay. on where you're at. But if you look at the entire market, we're going, we're going from 20 to 25% down into the 10 to 12% probably and into 8% in certain areas. 
It's shifting that quickly. But I want you to think about that for a second. Let's just say that you and I gained 10% this year. That's still double digit. Mm -hmm. That's still healthy appreciation. Absolutely. And it's still, the word I want to make sure the audience hears, it's not a crash. And we're hearing a lot of, so think about if we go to 10% price appreciation, how, how healthy would that be for most of our buyers versus 3%? Mm-hmm. Or 8% is still. That's much better than your savings account that you're earning. Well, how much? Less than a percent? Or even a percent you're not getting. Mm-hmm. Funny how the way you present it, and this is the media uses to skew your reaction to things. Oh, sure. Sure. So you just made me feel encouraged, whereas previously I might have felt a little discouraged. Well, and if you get into people that said, I'm going to park it and not buy right now because these rates, but think about it, you're... Your rent, you're 100% giving money back away. You're not earning anything. You're not earning a tax write-off. You're not earning anything. Yes, so yes. It's, it's, it's tough. Now, having said all that, notice the words I have not used. I have not used the word crash. A lot of buyers in today's market are thinking, okay, prices are going to come tumbling back down like they did in 09, and I'll jump back in the market. We don't believe that's going to happen. One is that market in 09, price crash was driven by bad mortgages. There was a lot of funny money in the market. A lot of people that should not have gotten a loan got a loan. Mm -hmm. And all the financial reform that we went through solved that problem. So we think there's going to be, the word I would use is a deacceleration of the appreciation rate. We will still have appreciation, but it's going to decelerate. It's going to come down from the double digit to the single digit. Okay, let me swallow that. Try to swallow that. Yep, yep. Deacceleration of the yeah. rate of the appreciation. Excuse the me, appreciation. Yeah, I couldn't the, get it right. Yeah, the appreciation. Yeah, I got to slow down. The, you see, I get excited. The appreciation rate is slowing down, but appreciation is still positive. I'm just not going to earn twenty percent. I'm mm-hmm. going to earn eight, for example. Mm-hmm. But you're still ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And this is what we need to remind our clients. Absolutely, of. absolutely. This is to clarify versus terrify. Clarify versus terrify. <laughs> you know, I'm so old that my husband and I, when we bought our first house in 1980, we paid 18% interest. Yep, yeah. So I, I do have that perspective, which I never thought would be a gift to me, but yeah. Well, and 18% was when my parents went into business, when I grew up in it. And when I started, uh, I remember nine was what my my normal was. Okay. And I remember when it got to seven, I thought, oh, my gosh, we're getting ready to go into a boom. Now, today, mm-hmm. we get conditioned to them. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, I go to the gas station, and I get excited when it goes from 350 to 325. Yeah. Okay, why, why am I excited about that? Because 325 is still absorbing it for gas prices. Mm-hmm. But it's the same with mortgage rates. We get conditioned mm-hmm. to something, and then it shifts. And over time, you become conditioned to that. I think most of these people that were at 3% thought that was the neatest thing, at, like it's normal. It's not normal. In fact, mm-hmm. mortgage rates have never gone below 3% since like 1970, before you and I, before we ever were in this business. Mm-hmm. And so now they've gone to 3 now we've been conditioned. And so if it goes to 5 that's expensive. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's, mm-hmm. it's what you get used to. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And again, as realtors, it's our job to educate and orient our that's right. clients to the the history behind That's right. all of this. That's right. Well, and this is a whole other topic for another day, but, you know, there's so many different ways that you can get in with a seller paying some points and helping buy down rates, yes. and we're seeing a lot of that as the market shifts, too. So there's there's a way Thank to get goodness. your clients in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank exactly. goodness. Well, here's the million-dollar question. Can we make this information sexy or cool 
or enticing beyond, if you pay attention, this is going to help you financially. Right, right. Well, first, let me tell you, you're the first person that's ever asked me, <laughs> can we make data sexy? <laughs> but if I had to bring sexy back, I, I would tell our leaders, my advice would be, show more, tell less. Show more, tell less. You, you know, we've been sitting here talking about it, but if I was in a client conversation, when you sit there and talk to a client, it takes the average person eight to nine times to absorb what you're telling me if it's only in an audio format, meaning you're talking to me. When you start showing me visuals, that improvement of understanding and also remembering improves over 50%. And so I'm not saying don't tell your audience, but you've got to also show the audience that you're talking to. And so get really good at visuals. You know, for example, uh, those top five stats we talked about, those are easy to make into visuals and share with the client okay. and, and, and incorporate into your presentations. Mm -hmm. Make it pretty. Yeah, make it pretty. And, and then the other is, is that when you look at those sub-markets I talked about, is, you know, maybe, just maybe when you have a seller downsizing or moving up, remember those three conversations, is creating a visual that says, you're going to sell in the 300000 you're going to buy in the seven fifty. Let's, let me show you what it looks like to sell in that submarket and buy in that submarket, and you suddenly have different conversations, and you're setting, resetting expectations. You know, another way of bringing sexy back is, <laughs> is realtors that I've seen that are effective out there are starting to do videos in their social media about the changing market. Mm -hmm. Most of the listeners will not do this. They don't like the way they look. They don't like the way they sound, mm -hmm. but the ones that I'm seeing are, are doing it very well, are simplifying with a strong visual, which is mm -hmm. video. Video is mm -hmm. probably the best visual ever because you got the audio and the visual together, mm -hmm. but could you do some of that? Is the market research saying people really do listen to oh, them, yeah. watch those yeah. things? Well, and everything you see in social media, the engagement is a lot around videos. Okay. And, and, it, and I'm saying social media. You could send that in a video in an email to your client. Uh -huh. Hey, watch this uh -huh. before I come over. The other is, if you don't like doing those kind of things, think about visuals you can create once a month and tell your sphere every month what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a few years ago, I remember coming to the offices to speak. There'd be some quarters that just the market didn't move. It was the same, same old, same old. That's not the case right now. Mm -hmm. the market, We've got a lot to say. Oh, yeah. The, and the market, quite frankly, is changing every month right now. Mm -hmm. And now, will that continue in the next year? Who's to say? But mm -hmm. there's visuals and comments, and there's all kinds of content right now that you can find. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, don't do all five sets in one of those videos. Just focus on one, mm -hmm. and then do another okay. another one, you know? One of the best pieces of advice I was given about creating a video of me is uh, Matt Dempson actually is the person who uh -huh. said this to me. People like to see you kind of mess up. Oh, yeah. You know, be yourself, uh, be human, yeah. and don't worry about it being perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People like, yeah, you're, you're a human being to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing, though, no matter what you do with any kind of visual, whatever you do with a stat, don't forget you've got to tell me the why. And I always lead with, tell me why. What does that number mean to me? Why is that number important to me? So what is the narrative? Because you can throw a stat at me all day and say, here's the days on market. Okay, what does that mean? So get really good. And this is the hard, this is the left side of the brain versus the right side of the brain. You can tell me the stats all day, but do you know how to explain the stat? 
And, you know, for some of the listeners, that may be something they do in their offices to sit with somebody else and say, I've never explained this. Let me do a role play with you before I go meet the client or read this social media post before I post it or read this email before I send it. Does this make sense to you? Mm-hmm. And does it do accomplish that why? Yes. Communicate, communicate, communicate. That's correct. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, Tony, if I can just try to, I've taken some notes here, and I want to see if I can sum up all this incredibly valuable information. First of all, you're reminding us that we need to set expectations with our clients and in so doing, establish ourselves as that trusted advisor. Correct. So important. You gave us some tip, Case Schiller being one of them, keeping current matters. You many times said simplify. So in my head, I'm hearing myself say simplify, simplify, simplify. You encouraged us to use the term relevant property instead of comps. And then you went over your top five stats, days on market, the supply number, number of showings, list price to close price, and number five is appreciation. You got it. Okay. Other things that might become my mantra, show more, tell less. And finally, but maybe most important, tell me why. Tell me why. Make me understand because if it has an impact on me, I'll listen to you more. Okay. And then I'll trust you more. Okay. Good stuff. Before we close, do you have anything else that uh, you want to tell us about how you see the current market? And and for our listeners, today is December 1st. Oh, Signals, everything I'm reading, everything I'm studying says that we're supposed to be in a recession right now. Uh, If you do the economic formula, we're in a recession. However, it doesn't feel like any recession I've ever been because job growth is still there. And you see job postings, especially in the service industry and, you know, everywhere. everywhere. And and you feel it when you go into places and there's not enough staff, they Mm -hmm. they will hire more. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So. It's an interesting time we're in. I, I don't know if you ever follow Ninja, but I heard Ninja say something the other day that resonated with me. Ninja is a training, and they came out with a, a video the other day that one of the people said, be a agent, not a principal. And they were saying that there's so much changing in the market, for example, a mortgage rate, where an agent would look at the principal and say, you ought to wait. Wait till the first quarter and then look at a house. And, and they said, be careful about subjecting your opinions about what's happening in this market right now, because what if that client really needed and had to move right then at the spot? Mm-hmm. Help me yeah. find the solution versus telling me your opinion about what's going on. So that's kind of another animal with data. You've got to be careful about injecting too much. With that said, I believe that people will continue to buy and sell houses, regardless if we go to 7 8 9% interest mm-hmm. rates. Which, Especially in the triangle. Exactly. And if we do are going into a recession, I don't think it's going to be anything like we went through in 09 and 10. And I do believe that... Because those safeguards are in place now exactly. to prevent that from happening. Exactly. Now, will people need to cut back? Absolutely. Uh, will need people say, I'll, I'll postpone a purchase? Yes. But bottom line is people, you know, the good news is everybody needs a place to live. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so I think even if we go into this now, here's the good news. Every recession that I've ever seen always has a opportunity on the other side. And the opportunity is that the mortgage rates most likely will come back down. So we're going to be probably all right there. We're already seeing a bunch of price reductions happening. So for our buyers, they don't have this pressure to go move at the speed of sound to get their offer in and pay over. Uh, I also have heard 
some agents go, we ought to regulate this due diligence. Well, the due diligence is driven by the market. And guess what's getting ready to have one due diligence in North Carolina? It's already starting to come back down. Mm-hmm. So I think all this stuff is happening. And I just think for the agents out there, there's some great opportunities. But what we have to do is very, very consistent with the messaging that we've talked about. Be very consistent with being positive with what's happening and look for opportunities and stay consistent with our sphere. These people will look to buy and sell in every market. And long term, it's like your stock market. Stock market crashed this last few months. I don't know if you follow that. And there have been days I shouldn't do this. I should not do this. But I look at it every week. (laughs) And there have been days I'm like, gosh, I should just dump this and sell it. No, that would be the worst thing I could do. It's the same with housing. Housing is uh, a long-term long-term investment, exactly, right. and you're going to be okay. Every market comes and a safer every goes, one than historic, historically. Historically, except for that one. Safe, yeah, except for that one. Yeah, that one but I, I think we're going to be just fine. And yeah. I think if this what and the Triangle region going into the Triad region with all these job announcements we've had in 2022, mm-hmm. I definitely believe that the real estate market will continue to be healthy in 2023. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to be. My analogy is is that. If the speed limit is 65 miles an hour and you're driving and suddenly you move up to 85 miles an hour, that's what we did last year. Mm-hmm. I think this year you're going to start going closer to the speed limit. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're all going to be in the same lane together, going at the same speed. We're just not going to be speeding like we were last mm-hmm. year, which for some people, quite frankly, that's a little refreshing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most realtors I know are pretty tired. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're welcoming this reprieve. Yeah. Tony, I always feel encouraged after I listen to you speak. And it's not because you look at the real estate world through rose-colored glasses. It's because you look at it realistically and with data as the, the underpinning of your whatever you're communicating. So I thank you for that because I think if we could all be just like you, <laughs> we would uh, – we our goals with our clients would be much more um, much easier to accomplish. Well, I'll close with this concept. This is a term I call mindset, mechanics, and momentum. If you keep your mindset positive mm-hmm. and you have your your mechanics of that consistency, mm-hmm. you're going to build some momentum. So keep keep Love that it. for you. Yep. Okay, I'll add that to my list of mantras. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. We enjoyed our time together, and thanks yeah, to your, your members get some value out of our conversation I, today. I know they will. Yeah. Happy holidays. And you too. Happy holidays. This has been an episode of Welcome Home, a production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.